So in this month of February, we are studying the love stories in the Bible. And last time we talked about, do you know what we talked about? Do you remember? It was Leah, Leah and Jacob. And today we'll be talking about, my sermon title today is A Spy and His Love. Who do you think this is? <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get to that. So <clears throat> if you read, if you know the story that Israelites have been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, and now it's their second attempt to enter into the promised land. And just before they enter in, Joshua sends two spies com compared to how many spies before? They tried, Moses tried to send 12 spies. This time it's just two. And the names of 12 spies were written in the Bible. But these two, their names are not written. It's, it's a secret. So there are some differences, but it's quite interesting to understand the story. And um, let me just read the first few verses as we start. And Joshua chapter, one, chapter um, 2 says, verse 1, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. The king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the man who came to you, entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the man came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the man left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid on the roof. So the man set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that led to the fords of the Jordan. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. We'll, we'll pause here for now. So <clears throat> very interesting story here. So the spies were sent out, and they enter into the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And this is where they first met. Now, the reason why I say this is, is this. We don't know who the spies are, but the names, name of Rahab's husband later on is mentioned. Do you know who the name is? Salmon, yes. His name is Salmon. But... Where do I get this idea? If you go and read SDA Bible commentary, so, and, and also many other Bible commentaries, they all suggest the husband that married Rahab would most likely be one of those two spies. Doesn't it make sense, logically? Like, they saved each other's lives, right? So, um, it makes sense. And that's what they think. And... Um, we don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't spell out the names, but it's the most common sense, and we would just go with that idea. And this is what happens. Um, so the spies go and, and hide inside the house of, of Rahab. And how would you like to have a first date at a brothel? Or how would you like to meet 
a spy and marry him. Wouldn't that be interesting? The Bible here is talking about something very, very unusual, very interesting story. But as a matter of fact, this story is, after studying this, this is my favorite love story in the Bible. I mean, I have many other stories before, but this is by far the best. So <clears throat> I'm hoping to share that with you. So let me ask you a question. All the married people here, have you saved your spouse's life yet? Christian is looking over to Ryan and is like, have you saved me? <laughs> right, maybe I have saved you by marrying you. <laughs> um, but yes, so Rahab and Salmon, they meet as what first? When they met, they were not friends. They didn't have a, like a blind date set up. They met as enemies. They met as enemies to someone that you need to look, like, be careful, or even to the point where you have to, like, kill each other to preserve your own life. That's how they met. And maybe she fell in love with the spy, or maybe he fell for the girl. I don't know what happened. Bible doesn't say. But that's the interesting story that we have here. So let me ask you a question. When these two spies came, Remember, they, they were the slaves in Egypt. They speak Egyptian language, right? They probably don't speak the Hebrew um, or, or uh, Aramaic or whatever the language that at that, that time they were speaking. They don't speak that language fluently. Imagine they were there for 400 years. My kids who've been here for 10 years or so, they're losing their Korean, even though it was their first language. So... Um, I'm trying hard to keep it up, I mean, so that they can remember, but it's not easy. And all the parents, you know how it is to have your kids keep their language, second language or first language, whatever that may be. 400 years in Egypt, slavery, they lost it. So they don't have that language. Now, and the style, Egyptian style and the Canaanite style are very different. And let alone, you mix that with the Hebrew culture. It's, it's a unique culture they have. And they've been living in the desert or camping out in the desert for how long? 40 years. So if you look at them, they would probably look like gypsies or maybe some different kind of people. So when these two men came to Rachel's house, do you think she knew that they were foreigners? possibly spies, or she had no clue? What do you think? She knew. She knew. There is something called a woman's instinct. <laughs> There's some things that women just know right away. Like, just the slightest hint. Like, face expression, the tone of voice, or just maybe the clothes, or just something. Men, like, guys have no clue. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? But the ladies, they know I, something. But if you think about her job, what was her job? She's a prostitute. Like, so her profession, she needs to understand and know, like, has like the sixth sense or seventh sense or eighth sense, whatever senses that you can get. She needs to know something right away to figure things out so that she will be safe, so that she can make more money or she could do whatever. So I'm sure she's well-trained 
to read people's minds and people's thoughts, even without talking, right? So when these two guys that are not, by the way, were they like trained spies? No. They were just happy campers for 40 years. <laughs> and then they just show up. They probably had thick accents. Their clothes, they probably try to grab like Egyptian clothes to put them on or maybe look like tourists or something. But you can tell because the whole city is alert right now because Israelites, they just conquered two cities right outside of the other side of Jordan. And Jericho, as well as all the other cities in Canaan, they are very, very alert, on high alert. Just like um, coronavirus, what's going on around. Like when people here, especially people in Asia, when, when somebody coughs just one time, <coughs> you know what happens? Oh, stay away from me. <laughs> They're like running away. That's how cautious the world is right now, especially that part of the world. This woman, I'm sure, knew these two guys were up to something. They were different. So when she had them over at her place, she had to make a choice. Do I report them and make a fortune? Or do I betray my country and trust these two guys? What did you do? Because she could read that right away. If I hide them, well, so they came, well, they came into your place. So you had no choice. They came in. But it's now your choice. If you call the king and report them, the king will reward you, right? I don't know what the reward could have been, but she would definitely make a lot of money or, or uh, gain fame or something. But she chooses to do something different, completely different. And verse 4, it says, But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them already. She said, Yes, the man came to me, but I did not know where they came from. So the word already here in Hebrew um, suggests that, that she hid the men up on the roof before the messengers came. So it's not like when the messengers came and knocked on the door, like, hey, you have two men that came here tonight. Get them out. And she was like, oh, no, there's someone out there. Okay, go to the roof. No, that's not the story. She already had hit them up on the roof. Why? Foreigners came because this is a high alert season. When foreigners come and they look like Hebrews, they look like Egyptians or Egyptian culture, you can tell that they are those guys the other side of the river. And when somebody comes, they know that people will, like the king will send someone out and, and send out a search to make sure that we are safe. So she figured it out already, thinking, you know what, someone will come for them. So let me hide them. And if you look at the word hide, that word in Hebrew is singular. Meaning there were two spies, but she hid them separately, individually. So if one gets caught, the other can still survive and go back and report. So that's how smart, brilliant she was. That's what she does. Now, 
she, the Bible says she hit them under the flax. Now the spies were hiding under the flax. What's, what's, what's flax? It's some kind of plant that grows, tall plant that grows about this tall, but you use that to make linen. If you read the Hebrew Bible, um, <clears throat> there are nine times the word flax, or that flax in Hebrew, pishte. Uh, pishte is translated as linen nine times, seven times as flax. So the word pishte is same as like linen. So were they hiding under the, the stalks of flax or were they hiding under like blankets? I don't know because it could go either way. But it looks like it was just uh, flax. The, but if you are the spy there, if you are one of those two spies, because you can't even talk to each other now because you are hidden individually, what's going through your mind? You come to the enemy's land and this woman says, you know what? You guys are spies, aren't you? And like, uh, 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 no, we're not. <laughs> but <laughs> she can read like right through your mind, straight through your eyes, and says, you know what? I'm going to help you guys out. But in return, you have to help me out. I'm going to hide you on my roof. Don't say a thing. Be quiet until I come back. Because the king may send out search and they may come to my house and, and look through everything. You need to be quiet, okay? Dead silent. <clears throat> they say, okay, okay, we'll go. Where should I go? And then they stumble up to the roof and they go hide under the flax. And they're hiding. You can't even text, right? You're hiding there. And she disappears for two hours, or three hours. You're hiding. What's going through your mind? What if she's sent, she has sent a word to the king to come capture me? What if she's lying and say she's going to turn me in? Because that would be the best way, right? If, she's, if she says, you know what, <coughs> you, guys, <coughs> you guys run, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you guys in. That's not going to work. She says, you know what, I'm going to hide you guys here. And then she turns her back. That's an easy thing to do. So when the spies are thinking, like, they're probably biting their nails, ants in their pants, like, should I run for it now? I can't even talk to my buddy over there. I don't even know where he's hiding. But if I move, I may be caught and I may be killed. What do I do? So they're probably so anxious there. But as she predicted, the man from the king of Jericho, they do come. And they search. Hey, hey, hey. Two men came to your house. Get them out of here. Because they are spies. And she lies. And she lies. What did she say? They came. I didn't know where they came from. I didn't know they were spies. But they left. Meanwhile, she was hiding them under there, right? So a lot of people, a lot of Christians say, you know what? We can lie all we want. Look at this. I mean, this, she's lying to save someone's life. And that's, we call it, what? What kind of lie? White lies, right? And that's okay, right? That's biblical. Is it okay to lie to save someone's life? What do you say? No? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. 
Was she an Israelite? Did she know the God of Israel? Did she know the Ten Commandments? Did she know that God said, Thou shalt not lie? No. She didn't know anything. She is not even a God-fearing woman. She just learned about these guys, spies. And yeah, she heard about those things as people come in and out drinking in her house. And she heard about these people, that the group that came out of Egypt and so on. But she had her hope in that God because her life here in this city, even though that is a promised land, she's living in misery in the promised land, in the land where there is milk and honey flowing. She says, you know what, this is not good. I want something better. I want something different. My hope is in that God. So she doesn't know a lot, but she is hoping for that God. So when, when she is doing her best to save these people and trying to be merciful, trying to be kind to these people, God is merciful to her. You know, there were times that Adventists didn't know Sabbath. Adventists didn't know sanctuary message. Adventists didn't know about the health message. There were times that we didn't know a lot about things. But God was merciful. Even though we didn't keep the Sabbath, we didn't do a lot of things that we do now, God was still merciful to us because we didn't know better. So when we, with the full light in the Bible, then we don't have an excuse. She did. We don't. So don't use this as an excuse to say a lie. Say, you know what, it is biblical, I can do it. No. That's for the people who do not have the full light, not for us. So please keep that in mind. Verse 19 through 11 says, great fear. There was great fear of you guys coming out from Egypt and, you know, like drying up the Red Sea and all the miracles and, and conquering all the kings and kingdoms and, and, and whatnot, emperor, empires and so on. That's what she said. But you know what? When did the Israelites come out? How many years ago? She said something like this. Okay, you guys came out of Egypt. You dried up the Red Sea. And when was that? 40 years ago. Now, let's put that into our perspective. 40 years ago, what happened 40 years ago? Do you remember? When was 40 years ago? Wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> 1980. Do you know what happened in 1980? Okay, let's, let's try to remember. World population in 1980 was 4.4 million compared to 7.7 .7 million now. 4.4, it was like almost half. And Rubik's Cube was just introduced in 1980. I don't know if you grew up with Rubik's Cube. IBM made the 8-inch floppy disk. Do you know what that is? <laughs> five, five and a half inch uh, floppy disk was introduced in 1984. And 1 1.4 megabyte, three, point, three and a half inch uh, floppy disk was introduced in 1987. So that was that long ago. Do you remember those things? Yeah, I remember when I was going to school, I had to put in that floppy disk to boot up my computer. Um, hostages in Iran and uh, Reagan election was one of the big news in 1980. Mount St. Helens erupted that year. Do you remember that? 
Now, if you are under 40, you don't even know what we're talking about here, right? <laughs> um, Olympic boycott, Iran-Iraq war, NASA Voyager 1 took high-quality pictures of Saturn, and there was a big news back then. Challenger disaster. Challenger exploded up in the air. It was 1986. And a Berlin Wall fell in 1987. I mean, we have to think hard to remember those things. But she's speaking as if the Red Sea uh, dried up yesterday. That's how she's saying. She has strong faith in the God that she has never met, that she has never heard about, like, directly. Just she heard rumors of what had happened. And she shows her strong faith there. In verse 9, I love verse 9. Verse 9 reads this, says this. And said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. She uses the word, I know that your Lord, your God has given this land to you. Our hearts are melting in fear. She uses the word, I know. That term, that term in Hebrew is actually past tense or past participle, meaning it was already done. When she says the Lord, the God has given this land to you, well, English uses the same thing, has given. It's already done deal. It's in the past tense. Okay, let me ask you a question. Has the Israelites conquered the land of Canaan already? No, they are on the other side of the river. They haven't even come in yet. But she uses the word, she uses the tense, past tense, past participle, saying that you have already conquered the land. That's how she uses it. Now, these spies that are just hiding under the flax, they're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to die? Are we going to die here? What Are we going to make, make it out of here? And she comes to, comes to them and says, I know God has given this land this to you. This is already done. She is using her faith. Now, who has greater faith, the spies or Rahab? Rahab has greater faith. And she is encouraging them, the spies, and say that, you know what? You guys got this. But I have a favor. Please save me and my family when you guys do it. Do you think the spies told Joshua about this? Yes. The spies went back to Joshua and said, you know what? We went to this girl named Rahab, and she said, you guys got this. You guys already conquered the land, past tense. And that encouraged Joshua, the new leader that Moses just left, and he just took over the position, and he didn't know what to do. Like, man, I don't know what to do with these two million people. And that word from Rahab encouraged two spies. That ripple effect went to Joshua, encouraged him. And in the end, in turn, encouraged the whole armies, whole Israelites that way because of one person. Is she a keeper? Is she a good wife material? Yes, I think so. I think so. So I don't know who fell in love first. 
it could have been the spy. Like, oh, man, she's so awesome. <laughs> but that's what happened. That's what happened. You know, she saved the spies' lives, and the spies, in turn, saved her life and anyone in her house, saved their life. But, but let me ask you this question. This story has an awesome ending, but the, the reason why Joshua decided to send spies, two spies in, why did they do that? Why did he decide to send spies in? So that they can spy out the land and prepare themselves for the fight, right? That's probably what they were thinking. Did they go in to fight? Did they fight the battle at Jericho? No. All they did was to walk around the city. So they go, march around the city, and come back. Next day, they go march around, and all the people are like, what are they doing here? Right? If you think about it, who has a better chance? The people of Jericho had the fortified city, had the fortress built up. Their men were trained soldiers, warriors, and they had the military tactics and everything all set up. On the other hand, the Israelites, even though there were a lot of people, there were a lot of women and children as well, and lots of animals too. And they don't know anything. Had they, have they had any kind of fighting experience, war experience? No, not, nothing. All they did was working as slaves. So the slave mentality, if you don't push me to work, I'm not going to work. Just feed me, give me food, and that's all, that, that's all I care. That kind of mentality, that's not going to win a battle or war. So who has a better chance? The people of Jericho has a better chance. But all they do is just, they're walking around the city. And then at the end of the seventh day, they walk around seven times and they shout and blow the trumpet. That's what they did. And the walls fell down, tumbling down, as the Bible says, or the song says. That's what happened. So they didn't really have to send spies because they were not, fighting anyways, right? So then what's the point of sending the spies? To save Rahab. Has something like that befo happened before in the Bible? Before the destruction of something big, God sends someone special to rescue someone. Lot, yes. God, Esther, yes. So Bible is full of those stories. God will send someone, his messenger, his angels, or sometimes in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, Christ came down himself to talk with Abraham and to save Lot and his family and to save uh, Rahab and her family. On the story of, in the story of Lot, uh, he was able to save himself and two daughters. The other rest of the family he lost because he wasn't able to prepare them. But the story of Rahab, she saved everyone. Anyone that was under her roof was saved. So this story takes place just before the Israelites go into where? The promised land. In spiritual application, that is right now. Right now. Are we preparing our family members 
to be ready to be rescued? When God comes with the hand of salvation, will we be able to save our family just like Rahab did? Or will we, be, will we lose our family members, some of our family members, just like Lot lost his wife and his two married daughters? What is your choice? Would you be like Rahab? Would you be like Lot? So God sends two spies to save Rahab and her family. So she could be who? Later on, do you know what she becomes? She becomes the mother of Boaz. And she becomes the great-grandmother of King David. And from his line, who is born? Jesus is born. So yeah, she was a foreigner. She was a prostitute. She was a liar. But her faith and her strong faith in God was, was good enough so that God could save her, even though she was not an Israelite. And as a matter of fact, she becomes the part of the genealogy of Jesus. And her name is mentioned in Matthew's genealogy. Even though it was contrary to their culture of mentioning females' names in their book, her name makes it on there. And also, you know what? In Hebrews chapter 11, what is Hebrews chapter 11? Hall of Fame. Faith. And her name is mentioned there as well. So what do you say? Was Rahab a keeper? Was she a great wife material? Yes. And this is what I believe. The reason why God picked Salmon and the other one is to make the connection there. God became the matchmaker there. You know what? You go out there, pretend that you're a spy. I know you're not a good spy, but you go out there and pretend you're a spy. But I, I have another purpose. I want you to go and meet Rahab. And you would the spark, the chemistry, and then something will happen there. That's what God does. That's what God does. So this love story is just amazing. Amazing. God sends spies to save Rahab by sending a man to save a girl. But in return, in reality, she saves his life or their lives. Not only his life, but encouraged Joshua in return encourage the whole nation of Israel so that they can get ready to, to obey God and conquer the land of Canaan. And Rahab's faith is in next level. Her, her faith is such a great faith. She's risking her life. Would you risk your life for faith? Would you risk your life for God? Would you betray your country? I'm not saying you should betray your country. No, I'm not saying that. But would you, be, would you go out to, to exercise your faith to follow God? Would you do that? Do you believe in God? Do you think that something that happened so long ago, 40 years ago, do you, can you say that this is like so strong because the, the things that God has done is so great? This is as if it has happened yesterday. And that's how strong her faith was. And I pray that we would have the same faith as she had. That she'll be able to know what's right, what's wrong. And she'll be able to exercise her faith and trust in God that she knows and she believes. 
so that her, she could save her family and, and anyone that comes into her family. So I'm sure that she saved not only her siblings, her parents, and probably her friends as well. If anyone who believed. But you know what? That required faith. That required faith. Like, not anyone was, was in her house. She had to share her story and say, you know what? If you believe me, come to my house when this happens and you'll be saved. They're like, no, 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 I don't believe that. And the person was, was killed. So someone who is saved needs to make the decision to come in to, to be saved. So friends, how many of you want to have the same faith as Rahab? And I hope and pray that God will give us that faith to be able to know what is right and what is wrong and to have that courage to stand up for God and to know and to believe in that God of Israel. May God bless us to have that faith. And when we do, may we save our family members as well. May God give us that faith as we live our lives today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the love story of Rahab and Salmon the spy. Lord, how many times do we go away walk away from your from your salvation how many times do we not pay attention to your soon coming and what's happening around us lord but lord we pray that you please give us the heart to to be awakened to know what is coming to prepare our hearts for your soon coming as you have seen the hands that had been raised Pray that you will help us to have the fate of Rahab, to save her family, to encourage the spies, to encourage Joshua, to encourage the whole children of Israel so that they can go and, and step out in faith. Give us that faith so that we could also be saved. Save our families, Lord. Bless us, Lord. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.